Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Get your coffee and donuts. Let's bring it on in. I was just talking to Jeremy. He says, the great thing about this church is that we could just talk for the rest of the time. So you actually have to get up there and say something. <laughs> Stop you guys from enjoying fellowship with each other. It just seems so counterintuitive. Uh, I'm interrupting, you know, <laughs> with my words. So my apologies. Uh, it's good to, be, good to be here. Good to be back in the harbor. I like the theater, but it's just a little weird sometimes. I, I don't know, for me. I don't want to mess up that space for you, but I feel like it's like an amphitheater. I'm down here at the bottom. It's usually the guy in like, you know, his uniform saying like, please exit through the right here. Uh, Something's happening. Sorry for the delay. But uh, we talked about silence. Who was there last week to hear about silence? Okay, eight of you. Perfect. Um, We're going to continue talking about the way. it happens to be a person. Jesus is the way. Uh, but there's also the, the way is also a way. It's like a, a way of being in the world, a mode of being. It, it, it involves action, volition. Uh, you get to decide how you will live. So that's what we've been talking about is the way. Now, in America, which I'm, uh, is where I'm assuming most of you live most of the time, uh, 70 million American adults have high blood pressure. That's almost 30% of the adult population. So it's like, no, no, yes, high blood pressure. No, no, yes, high blood pressure. No, no, yes, high blood pressure. That's a lot of high blood pressure. Now, uh, in 2013, they estimated that 360,000 deaths had high blood pressure as one of the key contributing factors. Okay? You didn't know you were hearing about high blood pressure to this morning. has to do with the way, I promise. Uh, so it's not a good thing. Now, what if I told you that the way of Jesus could lower your blood pressure? Would you be interested? Because, I mean, there's 30% of you in here that have high blood pressure according to just science, uh, statistics, and things like that. Um, now, what I find fascinating is that these practices that come from thousands of years ago actually imp- improve our lives, right? Uh, Now, I'd argue that there are some things that have come along that have improved my life, like A's Burgers. I love A's Burgers, and I love their fries. They give you like a half, like just a ton of fries at A's Burgers. If you haven't been, I'm plugging A's right now. Um, Chocolate shakes have greatly improved my life. Um, But some of these things also hurt us. They have consequences, right? Uh, Entertainment, like television, computers, phones, iPads, movies, they all seem to improve my life, but they also come with consequences. Now, today we're talking about meditation as part of the way. How many of you, when I say the word meditation, have like a little bit of like a squirmy, I don't know how I feel about meditation? Anyone? No. We're all just super into meditation here. Yeah? Anybody here meditate regularly? All right. One person. Perfect. 
How many of you, when I say the word meditation, think of like someone sitting in some cross-legged weird position that you'll never be able to get in or out of with their fingers, like kind of like this, chanting, oh, anybody? All right, seven, 12 of you, perfect. Okay, so meditation. Growing up, I was taught that meditation is like this form of yoga or Buddhism, um, and it would open your mind to all kinds of evil. Anybody like kind of grow up under that like, oh, don't meditate, because that's about like emptying your mind, and if you empty your mind, then who knows what might come in there, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh, just I cleared everything in a way, it's like, and then there was this ambush from evil spirits, <laughs> But that was literally like, there's this taboo. And I remember a friend of mine, uh, Mike, good friend of mine, he got into like transcendental meditation, this sort of emptying yourself, clearing your mind, this sort of thing. And uh, he's telling me about, man, I've just been like super into meditation. And he's really already kind of surfed out. And so he, you know, even he's like, dude, you know, like I've just been doing this transcendental meditation. I just clear my mind and it's just like blank. (laughs) Like, I don't get it, dude. What is that? You know, and, and we grew up in the church together, so I was kind of having some hard time reconciling. Just that word is tough at times for us. But now I kind of get it. Uh, I want to read you a quote uh, from this book here. Uh, a little bit about meditation. And what the, what the author says, his name is James Finley. He says, uh, meditation, these techniques and spiritualities, he, say, he says, are proper and necessary in their own right, but we must not ask from them, like meditation or silence or any of these things, we must not ask from them what we can only receive from God, okay? He says, chanting "Om" with great enthusiasm for hours on end may well be an efficacious exercise in meditation. And he says, however, it may also be a sign of a weird person, (laughs) right? And then he says, or worse yet, it may be a way of tricking ourselves into, th- into believing that some contrivance of our own making can of itself take us to God. So there's, these, this, there's this real problem with these practices in that what I've, what I've offered to us and what Michael offered to us at the beginning was that these are ways in which we might raise our awareness of the love that God has for us. There are things that are constantly pulling us away from that realization. These practices bring us into a way of living that puts us more in line with the reality of we are surrounded by the love of God, the love of Jesus in Christ. And we are so distracted that these ways might raise our awareness. Now, we can tend to think, well, that means I can control God. We really like to control things. Would you agree? We, like, we just like things to work the way we want them to work. We're very much like a punishment reward system. We feel that way about God. If we do stuff wrong, we think, well, we just kind of, I deserved to uh, run over that nail and get a flat tire. I did, I, you know. I didn't read my Bible this morning. I deserved to get that speeding ticket. Or, you know, or, hey, I've been, I've been really faithful. Why is this happening to my daughter? Why is this happening to my son? Why is this happening to my mom? Why is this happening to me? Right? We, we tend to think that we can control God by our actions, by the things that we do. And this is simply saying, it just doesn't work that way. What these practices do is they open you up to the possibility. It just, it's a different position that you're taking with God of, I want to be aware of the presence 
and the love that you have for me. So, I want to tell you a little bit about what meditation is, and then I want to talk to you about how it's so good for you to practice meditation. Then I want to tell you where it's found in the scriptures, and then we're going to practice it. You guys all right with that? So that's where we're going. Okay, and just so you know, I have some of my sources here where I'm getting this information. Uh, Some of it comes from the internet, uh, very reliable sources. The internet's actually more reliable than encyclopedias, just so you know. Uh, Some of it I learned from a man named Mike McHarg. So if you're writing down notes, you can put his name down. Uh, And some from this book, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. If you're just looking around for a book to get started with some spiritual disciplines, this is a great one. Uh, There are a number of others I can give to you references for, but uh, yeah, Adele Calhoun is the author of this book. And um, anyway, if you're looking to experiment. So different types of meditation. And maybe what I'll have you do if we have um, ushers want to bring out some Bibles, because we're going to be in, we're going to be around the scriptures today, uh, in the scriptures, deeply. There you go. You can have those ones. All right. so there's the transcendental meditation that I talked about. Like the, this is the one that you think of the most, the yogic sort of practice. How many of you practice yoga here? It's okay. No, it's okay. Just own it. I do yoga. All right? I always hear like jokes about yoga. Like nobody actually really likes yoga, but we're just supposed to do yoga. I, I've tried yoga. It, when, I, when I was in shape, I did yoga and it actually worked. It's like good if you're in shape. If you're not in shape and you try and do yoga, it's like, why would anybody ever do this to themselves? Um, but if you're like athletic and yoga actually really helps you stretch out your body and it's good for you. It's good for you no matter what. So anyway, stretching is good for you. Uh, but the, yoga, the yogic practice, it reduces stress and anxiety by using sound or what we would call a mantra, like the om sound, you know. Uh, now the person who's sitting cross-legged and, you know, reciting Om. That's, that's what we think of, and that is a little bit of transcendental meditation. It's just an emptying out. It's, a, it's actually finding its way into our schools. So if you have some real issues with this, like, it's, it's, it's being proven that this is good for you. <laughs> now, whether or not it is a uh, religious exercise is debatable, okay? There's debates about this, whether yoga is religious or not. Um, some people make it religious. Other people are like, no, this is just like stretching and just, you know, calming myself, and that's fine, okay? So anyway, then you have Christian meditation. Anybody heard of Christian meditation? Nobody. My friend right there, I love that, uh, which is, has a deep and rich history, but probably for the most part, if you grew up in the evangelical church or Protestant church, it's kind of been thrown out with the Reformation. So we've lost like 1,600 years of practice that were really actually really good for us. Uh, We just thought, well, that's weird and Eastern and, you know, we we don't even know what that means, Eastern. It just is so weird uh, to hear these words. But the Desert Fathers, many of the monastic traditions, meditation is still a regular part of their routine. I'll read some of these uh, just brilliant people that are so close to Jesus and they'll say, man, if I just don't get my three to four hours in meditative prayer each day, I just find I can't do anything. I'm like, what? What is that? Who spends three to four hours in meditative prayer? Anybody? 
I'm expecting no hands right now, no hands, thank you, no hands for three to four hours. Can I get one hour in meditative prayer at one hour? Do I have 15 minutes, 15 minutes? All right, we got 15 minutes. Okay, so seriously, three to four hours, but then he would say, like, if I spend that much time in prayer, I find myself to be so productive, creative. Like, when he sits down to do his work, it's like, because guess where his mind is? Right where he is. It's not thinking about the future with worry or anxiety or stress or what's to come. It's not thinking about the past, which would be regret and sadness and pain, nostalgia. He's right there, fully there. Imagine being that way, sitting down with your kids. You know, imagine being that way, driving. <laughs> we have like this little demon called the cell phone that just is always on our shoulder, <laughs> right? Just like, that's another talk. I'm totally guilty of that one. Uh, now, you have, uh, so these, these different types of meditation, um, the one where you would clear all everything out of your mind, it's called apophatic. You say apophatic. Apophatic. You're learning new words. That's this denial. It comes from a Greek word that means denial. It's to deny, deny your impulses, your thoughts, the distractions. Uh, what we have in the Christian, Christian tradition is called centering prayer, which is sort of splits the difference here. It's, it's kind of in the middle of what we would call apophatic. You're trying to really just rest in the presence of God's love. That's, you're trying to clear everything else out of your mind except God's love. You're centering in on the love that God has for you. Now, uh, most of what we do in the Christian meditation is called cataphatic. Can you say cataphatic? Cataphatic. Is affirmative meditation. It involves words or imagery or imagination, right? When you're, um, like we have the Ignatian exercises, which uh, are from St. Ignatius, and what they would do is, is you would read a passage of Scripture and you would, in your mind, you would place yourself in the Scripture, right? You would feel the dust under your feet, the heat of the sun. You would make yourself the blind beggar crying out for Jesus. You would be the woman at the well. You would be one of the disciples. You really insert yourself into the scripture in these Ignatian exercises. And, uh, and it's about, like, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? How, does the, how do these words uh, interact with your spirit in, that, in those moments? And it's really a profound way to interact with scripture. Uh, those are the Ignatian exercises. So these different types of meditation will affect your brain differently, okay? So we talked about kind of what it is. Why is it good for you? Um, why do so many people do it? Why, why has it lasted for so long? Uh, and what does it do to my brain? Um, th- thankfully, we have science like showing us what's happening in our heads now, uh, which is great. But meditation, just hear this, is bar none one of the best most beneficial things you can do for your brain, okay? A couple things. It's on the list of, it's like reading, physical exercise, meditation. It's like in the top three things you can do for your brain. Things lower on the scale, like smoking, (laughs) drinking, (laughs) certain things like are killing your brain. This is like, Meditation is one of the few things that keeps your hippocampus growing. It's one of the few things that it, it strengthens your prefrontal cortex. There's, there's all things that happen in, in, in meditation that are, it's like physically changing you, right? Um, let's say you take 15 minutes a day, six days a week, okay? It's an hour and a half, 
of your whole week. No, that's more than that. It's two and a half hours. No? Yep. Nope. Anybody? Shoot. <laughs> it's an hour and a half. So, if you do that, your anterior cingulate cortex is going to, over time, get thicker and healthier. Okay, that's part of your brain. You're like working out your brain. So for all of you that are CrossFit, crazy workout people, you need to start meditating. Okay? If you're into the health of the body, take 15 minutes a day, six days a week, and meditate. And you'll be really increasing your brain. Right? That's one thing that you'd probably want to work on. Because you could have this great outside, but a brain that doesn't work is no good. Okay? Um, Praying is going to improve your mental health. It's going to strengthen your prefrontal cortex. That's your focus, your agency, your concentration. This thing is going to get healthier, right? It's right there behind your forehead. It's like, hey, help me out, okay? Meditate. Now, it's going to lower your, bre- your blood pressure, all right? It's going to reduce stress. Anybody, anybody want that? Anybody would like to live with a little less stress? Anyone? One person? Great. Um, And it's been shown to be therapeutic for people with dementia and Alzheimer's, okay? Now, let's take it up a notch. When you expand your practice to 30 minutes six times a week, you like supercharge your brain, okay? And you see dramatic results. You start seeing measurable effects on depression and your overall mood. Uh, if If you meditate 30 minutes a day, six days a week, Uh, it will actually become very difficult for your brain to get angry. Anybody like a little less anger in their lives? Anybody feel like they're flying off the handle at times? Like, how did that bring me to like this? Because you're so out of touch with your own body and your own mind and what's happening in your life that you're just reacting, reacting, reacting. Now, 30 minutes a day, this is great. Uh, what they've studied in people, they've done brain scans uh, over months and years, if you do this, six days a week. These are like super meditators. I don't know, I'm not a super meditator. If we have one in here, I'd love to pick your brain, literally. But uh, what they've found in people that meditate on a loving God or on a God figure, uh, the part of the brain that is responsible for your physical proximity in your physical space, it shuts down during meditation, your parietal lobe. It just goes dark. And so people, when they meditate, they talk about going to a different place, right? Like, ah, oh, just, it just, it takes me somewhere else. It literally does. For them, neurologically, they're somewhere else. That place that tells, that, that part of their brain that says, oh, you're in, you know, you're at the youth docks here at Dana Point in the chair. It's plastic. That's that whole part of that brain shuts down. These are for the super meditators. They literally go somewhere else. I mean, they're right there, but they're somewhere else in there. Neurologically, they're somewhere else. Now, secular humanists or atheists that meditate don't have that same experience. Okay? They still get benefits of less stress, less anxiety, all those things, but they don't have this experience of being brought to another place, which is really interesting to me. Maybe it's interesting to you. Now, Tanya Lerman, she's a professor at Stanford. Anybody impressed by Stanford? I'm impressed by Stanford. She's a professor there. She did a study. She's done a number of studies um, on prayer and spirituality. And it's, she has one called Lord Teaches to Pray. Uh, and she asked people to pray different types of prayers, but she asked an, uh, 101 people to pray over a six-week 
six-week period. It's a really interesting study. And she asked atheists, Christians, all sorts of different people to pray. Uh, And over the six-week period, almost all, including people who didn't believe in God, had some kind of, like, supernatural experience during their time, including people who don't believe in God. They would report, like, I just felt this presence. I thought I saw something. I thought, you know, just because they're praying. So it's, this is a slam dunk. Meditation is a slam dunk in terms of feeling closer to God, okay? It's like one of the most powerful things you can do. If you're feeling, I just feel distant from God. I just feel like he's not there. I feel like he's just so far from me. One of the most powerful things you can do is just pray. <laughs> Your Sunday school teacher was right. Just pray. Just spend the time in prayer. People who don't believe in God, if they start praying, they start feeling closer to something. You know who that is. You know Jesus. And the thing is, is this is like completely non-controversial science. There's very few things about the brain that people agree upon. uh, But you'll find agreement across the spectrum about how meditation is good for the brain. From Richard Rohr, who's like a Franciscan priest, to like Richard Dawkins, who's uh, an avid atheist who wrote The God Delusion. This guy will also say, yeah, meditation's good for your brain. Okay? So we've got the spiritual people and the non-spiritual people saying it's good. Now, a lot of people want me to say that only Jesus, only meditating on Jesus, it's going to be good for your brain. But Buddhists get benefits, atheists get benefits. But... What we know is that meditation on Christ is like the true meditation of entering into that presence of the divine that's all around us, and we're just not aware. We're too distracted. There's too much noise. There's a fan. There's something going on. Like, there's just no, right? There's just noise. We talked about that last week. So, you get some of the same things. You get the activation of the prefrontal cortex. You get the suppression of the limbic system where your amygdala is, where it's all your emotion, it's your anger, it's your reaction, it's your fight-flight kind of stuff. So you become more focused. You have more production. You have greater energy, more centered, less angry. Now, most people, when we meditate, it's in silence. It's in solitude. Uh, you're learning to quiet that cacophony of our inner monologue, right? It's just so loud. You notice whenever you're alone or it's quiet, it's just (laughs) uncomfortable. I've talked about this so many times. The Starbucks line is the classic one for me. It's like you're standing there waiting, and you're just like, I have no purpose in this world except to wait for my coffee, you know? And and so you automatically go to your phone. I'll just speak for me. You know, there's, there's places like that. You, you sit down on the couch, and you're like, oh, it just feels so good to relax for a second. And then you're like, it's so quiet. You know, some moms are like, I love it, you know. But it's not long until you're like, I wonder what's happening on Pinterest or Instagram, right? So it's just this quieting, learning to quiet. Meditation helps you cut through all that stuff and be present. Our brains are not natural multitaskers. We've loved to think that in the Western culture, but your brain is not actually that great at multitasking. Uh, and I think they're finding that in business more and more, like, okay, multitasking isn't really helping us. Um, and here's my last shot at trying to convince you 
that this is good for you. Um, there's a, uh, a book out called The Happiness Hypothesis, written by Jonathan Haidt. Anybody read it? I think I might have talked about this before. Happiness Hypothesis, fasten your mental seatbelts. This is going to be a good ride. Picture an elephant and a rider. You ever seen someone riding an elephant? Or you can picture it in your mind, okay? Now, in your body, you have two nervous systems. You have your conscious nervous system that does all sorts of things and your unconscious nervous system that does a whole lot of other stuff, okay? Now, the elephant is your unconscious nervous system. The rider is your conscious nervous system. Which one is bigger? The elephant. Which one is more powerful? The elephant. Which one's better at goal setting or predicting the future? The rider. It can see what's coming, right? It knows what's going to happen. It has some ideas about, well, we should probably go that way, not that way. So, when you're trying to make a change in your life, and you've got your conscious nervous system and your unconscious nervous system, and you're trying to do it out of willpower, anybody ever tried to do something out of willpower? Like, I really want to stop smoking. I really want to stop doing this or that. I wish I wasn't like this. I wish I didn't do that. Anybody trying to make those changes in their life out of willpower, it's like trying to wrestle an elephant down a path it doesn't want to go down. Okay? Anybody felt like that before? Are you with me? I really wish I wasn't like this. I really wish this didn't control me. And you're on this elephant and you're trying to... It's really tough. Now, meditation is the only way to train your elephant. Okay? Sounds really weird. But it's in meditation. So, for instance... If I want to uh, get in shape, because here's the thing, like, oh, I really want to eat healthy, okay? And I'm driving to, like, Veggie Grill or Whole Foods, and then it's like, here I am in the Wendy's drive-thru. What happened? <laughs> I'll have a Frosty, and, you know, it's just like right away. I'm like, there. Because my elephant says Frosty, right? <laughs> We're going for the Frosty. Now, my mind, and I can, the thing is, is like, if you try and train your rider, it's just, that's great. Like, you've, yes, I read all the information, the frosty's bad for me, you know, the fresh squeezed juice is good for me, blah, blah, blah. Great, I just trained my rider. In meditation, in meditation, you go to take 15 minutes and just quiet yourself and start to think, start to imagine, visualize yourself getting narrower and narrower, and suddenly you can see your toes again. And, and take 15 minutes. Imagine waking up and not feeling all the pain in the joints that you normally feel because your body is being filled with nutritious things that it's keeping it healthy. Imagine it's 2.30 2 in the afternoon and you're wide awake at your job. You're not running to the coffee you're not feeling sluggish. You're feeling actually more energized. Take 15 minutes a day. Do that six times a week, and you tell me what your motivation is for eating healthy, okay? You have a lot more motivation. What does Scripture say? That's where we're going now. Joshua 1.8. Anybody want to turn there? Joshua 1.8. I'll turn there. I have it written right here. 
It says, don't let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So something about meditating on the way that God orders things will lead to prosper, prospering and success. Now that plays itself out in a number of different ways, but uh, meditation's in the scriptures. Whoops. So for all of you that were like, I don't know, this whole meditation talk, I'm out. You checked out a while ago. hey oh, it's in the scriptures. Psalm 63.6, if I am sleepless at midnight, the psalmist writes, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. Psalm 77.6, I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Psalm 77.12, I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Psalm 19.12, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. You're going to find meditation in the scriptures and the practice of it because it's meant to be a part of the way that we would live. Paying attention to God with our body by slowing down, relaxing, meditating on Jesus, on the scripture. And meditation is just this sort of huge umbrella term that covers a variety of things that you practice that encompass things that that work on your focus, your attention, your intention. Um, Prayer is a form of meditation. It's the cataphatic meditation. It's words. It's spoken. Meditation is simply mulling over, chewing on, or ruminating over God's word and its application. And I was thinking about that. What do you mull over? It's a weird word. We don't use it very often. I've just been mulling some things over. You've been ruminating on some things. You've been thinking on things. What generally does that, you know, that practice translate into your life? For me, it's like, uh, I've, got to, I've got to pay some bills. I've got three projects at the house I've got to work on. I need to pick these up from the store. I, you mull over like things that cr- increase your stress, <laughs> Right? Thing you worry. Left to our own devices, generally we just worry. Or we think about all the things that we have to get done or do or relationships that are broken or things that are happening. What kind of time do you spend ruminating, mulling over God or Scripture or His love or Jesus? How might that change how you move in the world? Because I'll tend to ruminate on finances, things I need to get done, the behavior of my kids, my job, all sorts of things. And how does that influence my brain? So, in the scriptures, it talks about meditating on his word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the way. The scriptures have so much life in them for you. So, are you guys willing to give it a shot? Okay. So, if you'll indulge me for a minute here. uh, I'm just going to talk you through a short, this is what we'll call maybe more mindfulness meditation. 
just awareness. So get comfortable in your seat. And I'd like it if you would all just close your eyes, if you could, for a minute here. See how many people can actually fall asleep in this short amount of time. Counting it, I'm hoping to hear a little, a few snores. Um, So just close your eyes and get to a place where you feel in solitude to some degree, quieting yourself before God. Pretend that you're miles away from other people and distractions. No matter what you hear or what happens, just do your best to concentrate on the love that God has for you in Jesus until I say open your eyes. So just right now, I just want you to become aware of where you are. Become aware of the chair, the plastic, your own body. Feel the air as it enters into your lungs, cool, and then breathe out, and it's changed. It's warm. Be aware of your weight, gravity pulling you down. Where is there pressure? Now I can assure you, in this time, when you set, set aside time like this, as you remain quiet, that you will not be left alone. Henry Nouwen describes it like, you live your whole life with the doors and windows of your house open. And when you enter into time like this, it's like you're shutting all the doors and suddenly there are people pounding on the doors and windows to get in like they always could before. And so your key work right now is to ignore it because it's really loud at first. So when thoughts come into your head right now, just be aware of them. Don't judge them. Just acknowledge them. Let them pass through and return now to your breath. Breathe in deep and breathe out. Maybe breathe in as you breathe in, think in your mind, Lord Jesus, and breathe out, have mercy on me. And just repeat that, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Just a word about God's love for you, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, breathing out. Feel the warmth and the heat from the people around you. Hear the chatter of the kids, the the dull hum of the fan, and the faint scent of salt in the air. Congratulations, you're meditating. (laughs) You can open your eyes. Now, the point of that is just to feel the presence of God with you, around you. It's just to quiet yourself for a moment that you might experience Him. Uh, Now, 
most of the time I feel surrounded by so much noise, like I talked about last week, that uh, it's really hard to really truly hear God, listen, God talking to you, right? Uh, and we talk about feeling deaf to God sometimes, unable to know when, when is God calling me to do this or that, or unable to understand which direction he might be calling me. And your life becomes what they would say is absurd. Your life is absurd. I'm too busy doing this or doing that or watching this or listening to this or hanging out with this person or that. Your life becomes absurd. That word absurd is from the Latin absurdus, which means out of tune, or surdus, which means death. (laughs) Your life becomes out of tune. Now, when you quiet yourself like we just did and really listen, you become what they call is obedient. That word obedient comes from the word audir, which means hearing or listening. And if you don't, you know, if you don't like that word obedient, fine, just chuck, chuck that word. How about fulfilled, centered, grounded, in tune life with Jesus? That's what we're working toward here. So we're going to move right now into one more meditation. And this one, again, meditation is generally quiet, silence, solitude. But I'm just assuming you're like me and we're newbies at this, okay? So I have a video that we're going to focus on. It's a visual meditation. And I want you to listen to the words. I want you to really pay attention to the images that you see. Relax yourself. Because what meditation is meant to do is to raise your awareness of the love that God has for you that we're missing all the time. It's constantly coming at us and we're missing it because we're deaf. Okay, we're distracted. And so just enjoy this with me. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive us for all the noise we allow in our life and for not setting aside time to meditate on your word, to become aware of your presence that's all around us and in us and through us, that we miss all the little ways in which you are present in our children, in the birds, in the ocean, in the buildings. Lord, give us strength, compel our spirits to want to meditate on your word, on your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.